every every evening, except for Wednesdays. Wednesdays, our uh, women's ministry is having a great time with the Book of Ruth, studying the Book of Ruth. But the rest of us were here. I've been really blessed by coming on uh, the evenings uh, when I can make it to the prayer time. And I know that if you join us, you'll be blessed too. It's been a, a really uh, blessed time. We've been in a time of fasting and prayer since uh, the beginning of the year. And uh, God is working mightily. And uh, we're just praying for more. Last week, something that was uh, said just has stuck with me all week long. Okay? And as a teacher, you know, I know that when something you repeat it over and over again, you know, and review it over and over again, it really gets down in your heart. That's a, that's a great way to teach. Just let it meditate on it, think about it over and over again. And last Sunday right here, Jason Sebesta, our youth pastor, said, just okay is not okay. And that's been going through my mind all week long. Jason, I, I believe God gave you that catchphrase and that video to stick with me, and I hope some of you others. And it's just been going over and over again. And it, it reminds me, you know, that we want to give God our very best, okay? And he wants to give us his best, okay? And so um, there's a scripture that that reminds me of. It's in Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not just men. So Jason said, okay, just okay is not okay. And that short lesson can really change the way we approach the Lord, that we give him our very best. And I know that he wants to do the same in return. So let's all just try to, you know, glean from this time of fasting and prayer what the Lord is saying to us. You know, meditate on that throughout the week. I know that uh, my former church where I used to attend, we had a, a, a phrase like that. We said every time, every time we met, we would say, we would say, um, Whoever finds God finds life, okay? And that's from Proverbs. It's uh, Proverbs 3, 9, or excuse me, it's Proverbs, uh, excuse me, I've got my, my verses mixed up here. Anyway, I can't find it right now. But it, it's a verse that we just repeated over and over again, and that would get down in my spirit, get down in my heart, and uh, I knew that if God uh, gave me this life, I can honor him with it, Okay. So that's what we want to do, is honor the Lord with our lives, okay? And we want to honor the Lord with our giving. In uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 16, 17 says, Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord our God, which he has given us, or he has given you. And in Proverbs 3, 9, that's the verse I was thinking. It says, Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best message says give him the first and the best of everything and so that's what we want to do right now is take time to honor God with our tithes and offerings so gentlemen if we could come prepare for that let's go to the Lord and ask his blessing upon the, our giving Heavenly Father we do want to honor you Father God with all that we do even in our giving Lord God even in the way we approach you, Lord God, with our gifts. May we be cheerful givers, Lord God. May you just bless these tithes and offerings, Lord God, and use them for your kingdom and for your glory. And we give you thanks for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
While they're doing that, uh, yesterday I was watching a video. Uh, Aaron Dennis has a video that um, is kind of telling about God moving in the city of Santa Fe in years past. And uh, he will be out in the lobby, uh, and he has a table set up out here. And, in, and on the table, he uh, has that video. And I really encourage you to stop by the table after the service, speak with Aaron about the video. It's a, it's a real blessing. Uh, like I said, I watched, I think I've seen three parts of it yesterday. And uh, it just talks about how the power of God uh, has moved in Santa Fe and moves in Santa Fe and how it's touched the lives of some of the people that are on that video, you'll know, okay? I know Frank Tercero, Pastor Ron, I uh, watched them on the video. So I'd, I invite you to uh, to see Aaron Dennis in the lobby after the service, okay? Praise God. Welcome to the light at Mission Viejo. If you are new to our church, please visit our Welcome Center, where you will receive a gift bag and a mug. Homeless Ministry The Bible tells us in Isaiah 58.10 to feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. We would like to thank those, all that came out this last Saturday, to help prepare the food and feed the homeless. Our hope is that your light would shine out from the darkness and be as bright as noon. Celebrate Recovery. We have begun another season of Celebrate Recovery. Classes are held on Saturday nights from 6 to 8.30. These classes include service with a lesson, testimony, and open shares. This is a class that celebrates Christ's healing power through 12 steps and 8 recovery principles. By working and applying these principles, we begin to grow spiritually and become free from our addictive, compulsive, and dysfunctional behaviors, creating freedom and joy in our lives. The Book of Ruth Ladies, we have begun an amazing study on the Book of Ruth. This study will last another six weeks. If you have not signed up, please know that you may join at any time. This study is on Wednesdays from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Women's Brunch Get ready, ladies. Women's Brunch will be held Saturday, January 26 at 10 a.m. Expect, believe, and start out 2019 with a refreshed vision. We will join together for brunch and teaching in the Word of God. Please join us this Saturday, as this will be a time to glean from and strengthen one another. LifeLink LifeLink will host their first annual gala and silent art auction. This event will take place Saturday, January the 26th, 2019, from 5 to 8.30 p.m. at the Lodge of Santa Fe. This agency serves mental health, homelessness, recovery, and resiliency clients. They will be featuring art auction donations by local artists and the LifeLink Artists Association. They will have live entertainment and speakers. This will be a chance to lend your voice in support of their agency and its members. Thank you for joining us at the Light at Mission Viejo. We hope you enjoy the service. Be 
rock in the 60s and 70s here in Santa Fe was awesome. A bunch of young people coming to the Lord from from different churches, no special denomination, just from different churches, and they would get saved and they'd go home and share the Lord with their parents. I believed everything I read. It, it was true, it was life to me. And we concentrated on the book of Acts. I the gospel was the disciples when Jesus commissioned them to go out and do the works, you know. We just copied that. I would go down to the plaza in a, in a large van and I could stand out on the running board and all I had to do was just yell, Bible study! And I mean, uh, people would come running from all over the plaza, and sometimes we didn't have enough room in the van to, to accommodate all the people. Everybody was loved and everyone was welcome. People were excited to hear what uh, God was doing through what many would consider the outcasts of Santa Fe. I mean, the boys' den was so full that people would stand in the kitchen that overlooked the den just to be able to hear and see what was going on. People would be sitting on the stairway, and it just was packed. Can never make it. Help me, Lord. Please. I promise not to try and kill myself anymore. Save me, and I swear I'll be a better father. I'll be a better man. I'll be a better everything. All I ask is make me a better swimmer. 
Oh, God. I can't do this to Julie. We can't do this to Julie. Oh, God. Let me live, and I promise to obey every one of the Ten Commandments. I shall not kill. I shall not commit adultery. I shall not. I... Uh, I'll learn the Ten Commandments, and then I'll obey every one of them. Just get me back to the beach. I'll be honest in business. I promise not to sell lakeside lots unless there's a lake around. I want to see another sunrise. I want to see another sunset. It was a mistake, God. I never really wanted to kill myself. I just wanted to get your attention. Help me make it. I'll give you 50% of everything I make. 50%, God. I want to point out that nobody gives 50%. I'm talking gross, God. I think I'm going to make it. You won't regret this, Lord. I'll obey every commandment. I'll see my parents more often. No more cheating in business once I get rid of those nine acres in the desert. And I'm going to start donating that 10% right away. I know I said 50%, Lord. But 10% to start. If you don't want your 10%, then don't take it. I know it was you that saved me, but it was also you that made me sick. You know what? That's the way a lot of us are. We get in trouble and we want to make all these promises to God and then as we feel like we, we're kind of getting out of the jam and out of the mess that we're in, then we start backing off. Like he said, you know, I promise to give 50%. I'll give 50%. That's gross. That's gross, God. And then by the time he gets close to the shore and he thinks that he can make it, well, this goes, goes down to 10%. And it goes down to 10% like, I know I said 50, and if you don't want 10, then you don't have to take it. <laughs> so... That kind of leads into where we are this morning. I want to, um, we're going to be, if you've got your Bibles and you want to follow along in the Bible, uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel, uh, mainly in chapters uh, 6 and 7, 5, 6, and 7. But before we get there, let me just kind of give you a little bit of a background to, um, to what leads up to this. In, um, at, the end of, at the end of Judges, um, you have Judges, and then I think there's Ruth, and then you have First uh, you know, Samuel. But the last verse in Judges says that the, the children of Israel did what was right in their own eyes. Even though they had the Word of God, they did what they thought was right. They neglected the Word of God. And then you shift and you come into 1 Samuel, and uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, great story, beautiful story. This is all just rich, rich history. If you've never read it, I encourage you to do so. But 1 Samuel starts out with a, 
a man named Elkanah and his wife. He had two wives, and one of them's name was uh, Hannah, and the other was uh, Paniah. And ha Paniah had children, and uh, Hannah didn't. And uh, the, the Paniah just was just like ruthless on Hannah, you know, just always teasing her about not having children. And this goes on for years, and it's just breaking her heart. It's breaking Hannah's heart. And uh, she cries out to God. She goes up to the temple every year and uh, cries out to God, God, just give me children, just give me children. And in those days, it was, uh, it was like a, a sign that you had been in sin or out of favor with God if you were a woman that couldn't bear children. And so once she goes up to the temple and Eli, the priest, sees her there and says that her prayers would be answered. And she makes this vow. She said, Lord, if you give me a, a, a son, I will dedicate him to you all the days of his life. And so she dedicates, uh, she actually has a child. His name is Samuel. That's where the book, title of the book comes from. And uh, she, at, when he was weaned, and in those days, ch children were weaned at probably about five or six years old. Uh, they had nurses. Uh, Isaac's wife, uh, Rebecca, had a nurse. Or, uh, Rachel and Rebecca both had nurses. Uh, Jacob's wife and Isaac's wife, uh, what they called a wet nurse. And, uh, um, and so... At, to, at that time of weaning, she brought the child and dedicated him to the temple. And then we just, I just want to, I don't want to spend too much time there, but, you know, so Samuel is there in the temple. He's been raised in the temple, but Eli and his sons are corrupt. And they don't have a heart for God. They are going through the motions. They, they've got religion, and they know all the religious things to do. They know when to light the candles. They know the prayers to say. They know... Uh, you know, uh, the offering of the incense, they know how to do all of these things, but they don't have a heart for God. They are just going through the motions like many times you and I do when we lose our heart for God. So we just kind of go through the motions of religion. And so the Ark of the Covenant, that's one of the responsibilities of the priest, the high priest, he was supposed to, you know, guard and watch and take care of the, of the Ark. And uh, so the Ark is there in the temple and, uh, you know, where, where um, uh, Eli and his boys were. Uh, and so the, the corruption is just unbelievable. And it's, it starts at the top and it just kind of trickles down. And all of Israel, their heart is just far from God. And remember, we talk, we've been talking about this for the last couple of, of weeks during this time of prayer and fasting. That the children of Israel, as they got into the promised land, God warned them. He says, once you get in there, you've got to be careful about the people that are there, because they will entice you to worship, and they'll entice you to embrace their gods, and, and God, the Lord God says, don't do that. Don't have anything to do with them or their religion or their practices. And so uh, as they get in, sure enough, they, you know, they fail. They fail to listen to God, and they start embracing the religion. of. And so in uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4, the Philistines come against the children of Israel, and there's a, in chapter 4, there's a, there's a huge battle. And uh, some of the children of Israel, they lost, you know, several thousand men that had gone out to battle. And then they begin to cry out to God. And they say, Lord, you know, you know what are we going to do? Uh, and so th without God answering, they, they just take it up on themselves. And they say, you know what, this would be a good thing to do. Let's just go get the ark. Let's go get the ark and send the ark out into battle. And so they send the ark out. And 
thousands more of the, they, they, they're treating the ark like it's some kind of lucky charm. Let's just send this on some kind of religious symbol. And this is what you do when you don't have a relationship with God. You, 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 you do all the religious things, but God is not there. And so they send the ark out. The Philistines come in and kill, I think, about 30,000 of the Israelis in one battle, and the ark is captured. And so they take the ark into the Philistine territory, and um, I'll pick up in, um, well, before I do, you know, I just, I, I, I want to just uh, share with you the words to this song. Uh, some of you will remember the song. It's, uh, it's called uh, the old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. But there were some, there were some verses in that song that really struck me. And uh, it kind of reminded me of the video. It reminded me of the children of Israel and going through these religious ceremonies but not really having a heart from God for God. You'll remember in the, in the New Testament, Jesus said, he said, these people doing the same thing. I mean, you know, guys, I want to just tell you that, you know, times have changed, but people don't. I mean, you know, I mean, we've got greater technology, yes, than they had. Uh, we've got greater inventions and knowledge than they had. But human nature is still the same. I mean, we are still sinners at heart. And we have a tendency to turn away from God and from his word. And that's why Jesus said, these people honor me with their mouth. They're saying all the right things, but their heart is not with me. Their heart is far from me. In this verse, these verses from um, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, listen to this. It says, Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering Bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, all of us are. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it to thy courts above. And I want to tell you guys that every one of us are just like that. We are prone to wonder from God. Prone to wonder from the God that we love. And so let me just kind of jump in here in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 5. The, uh, just keep in mind, uh, the Philistines have taken the ark. They've taken the ark captive. And um, this is the, the, the ark tour. Um, if you go back, I want you to go back to, uh, uh, I've got a slide there. If you could go and show that little map of Israel. So you can see those... Um, You'll see down in the lower left-hand corner, Ashad and Ekron and Gath and Ascalon and Gaza. Those are the five uh, Philistine cities. And there were kings or princes that were rulers over those cities. And then to the right of, um, of Ekron, you'll see uh, Sashad, Ekron, and Gath. But to the right of, of Gath, uh, there's a city, a Hebrew city called Beth Shemesh. And uh, they're about seven miles apart. But let's just pick up. So they've got that. And this is very, very typical in those days when you would go into battle uh, and you were successful in battle. What you would do is you would take the gods. You would go out. They, and, you know, Israel were, you know, they take where they took the idols. So they didn't have an idol. So the only thing that, you know, that the Philistines could take where they took, they took the Ark of the Covenant. And, I mean, this thing, if you read in Numbers chapter 4, if you weren't the right kind of person, you had to be a Levite to touch it, to move it, to handle it. And if you, you know, we, we see the story when David tried to move the Ark, and I think it was Uzzah that 
the, ark, uh, the cart stumbled and the oxen stumbled. I mean, the cart uh, kind of started moving and the ark started uh, sliding and Uzzah reached out to kill the ark. Five. In 1 Samuel chapter 5, it says, After the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashod. You can see there on the map. Right? You can see, go back to the map again so you can see where it was. Up in the upper left-hand corner there, I think, on the, on the shore. It says, They carried the ark to Dagon's temple. This was the temple of their god. So they've got, they're successful, these ungodly people that are successful in defeating the children of Israel. They've got the ark. They bring the ark into the temple of their idol god, Dagon. And it says, when the people of Ashad rose the next day, Dagon had fallen on his face. I mean, this huge statue. I mean, it's just like stone and huge, but it's lying on his face, kind of like bowing down to the Ark of the Covenant. It says, but they took Dagon, they put him back in his place, and the following morning they rose, and Dagon was falling on his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord, and his head and his hands were broken off. So this time the statue falls down in front of God, but his hands were broken off and his head was broken off. And so you just have this stump of a body lying there prostrate before the Lord. And, um, and then it says, okay, that's just the beginning. And it says, um, the Lord's hand was heavy on the people of Ashad and its vicinity. And he brought devastation on them and afflicted them with tumors. And when the people of Ashad saw what was happening, they said, the ark of the God of Israel must not stay here with us because its hand is heavy on us and on Dagon our God. I would say so. He's just smitten him and broken him into pieces. All right. And so then they called together the rulers of the Philistine. That would be those five rulers over those five cities. He says, and ask them, what shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, have the ark of God of Israel moved to Gath. That was another one of the, uh, the Philistine cities. And so they moved the ark of, the, of, the, of God of Israel. But after they had moved it, the Lord's hand was against that city. And throwing it into a great panic. And he afflicted the people of the city, both young and old, with an outbreak of tumors. And so they sent the ark... You know, nice, nice guys they are because it's destroying us, destroying our city. Let's just send it to our brothers next door and see what God can do over there. And so you got two cities that are destroyed already. Death and famine and plague are breaking out in these cities. And so they sent it to Ekron. And it says, as the ark was entering Ekron, the people of Ekron cried out, they have brought the ark of God of Israel around us to kill us and our people. And the people of Ekron cried out, they brought the ark of God of Israel around us. And so they called to kill us and our people. So they called together the rulers of the Philistines and said, send the ark of God or the ark of God of Israel away. Let us go back to its own place or it will kill us and our people for death has filled the city with panic, and God's hand was very heavy upon it. And so they devised this scheme. They're going to send it back. And I, I think it's really kind of interesting. I'm not reading this, but they start talking about, and this, keep this in mind, we're about 400 years since Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. So we're 400 years later, and these Philistine rulers are talking to the people, and they're talking to one another. Don't you remember what God did to the Egyptians when, you know, when the Egyptians oppressed Israel? God's hand was heavy upon the Egyptians, and he brought death and destruction upon Egypt. 
and the Philistines 400 years later, think back 400 years ago, I know you can't remember that far, but you know, think about the history that was going on in our nation you know, back then, 400 years ago, and they were remembering 400 years ago, God brought destruction upon Egypt because Egypt's hand was against the children of Israel. And essentially what they're saying is you got to get the ark out of here, get it back to the people of Israel, and maybe he will lift his hand from death and destruction from us. And so they devised this plan to take the ark back and... Um, the Philistines, they go to their diviners and to their enchanters, and the enchanters and the diviners say in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 6, they say, you know what, if you're going to send it back, you know, you, you, you've offended their God, and you've got to send it back with some kind of offering, some kind of sacrifice, not some kind of light sacrifice, some kind of serious sacrifice. And so they said, this is what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to send it back, and because the plague that broke out against us and, um, you know, many theologians believe it says that there were rats, there were rats, the land was plagued with rats, and the people were afflicted with tumors, okay? And, if, you know, if you look at some of the symptoms of bubonic plague, which, you know, fleas from the rats could cause that, and people would outbreak, there would be an outbreak of tumors upon them. So many theologians people that study the Bible believe that this is what was happening. These rats were plaguing the land and the people were becoming infected, you know, by the fleas from the, or uh, affected by the fleas from the rats. And so they said that what you need to do, because we're being afflicted by rats and by tumors, he said, make these golden images. Make five golden images of rats and make five golden images of tumors and put them in a box and put the, put the, put the box next to the ark and put the ark on a cart and send this cart back to uh, Beth Shemesh, which was about seven miles away from Ekron. He says, this is what you got to do. And he said, now this is going to be the real test. He says, what I want you to do, put it on a brand new cart, and then I want you to get two cows, young cows that have babies, but separate their babies from the cows and, and, and put these, you know, the cows could, the, one of the criteria was, that the cows could never have pulled a yoke or a cart before, had a yoke on them or, or pull a cart before. And so he says, get these two cows that have never pulled a cart before, never had a yoke on them before, and put a yoke on them and put this new cart in front of them and point them toward Israel's border or to point them toward Beth Shemesh. And, and the Philistine enchanters and rulers said, if they go, if they go that way, if they go that way and deliver the ark and the, the sacrifice that we're offering, the five rats and the five golden tumors, he said, then you will know that God's hand has been against us. But if these cows don't go anywhere, if they don't do anything, he said, then, then we know that it's just by chance that all of this affliction has come upon us. And so they build the cart, hook up the two cows, uh, yoke them to the cart, put the ark on, put the, you know, the, the golden uh, tumors and the golden rats in the cart and point it toward Beth Shemesh. Like I said, it was seven miles away. Well, lo and behold, the cattle start moving. And they start lowing and moving toward Beth Shemesh. And just across, Beth Shemesh is just across the border at that time, the line that separated Israel from where the Philistines lived. And, and it shows up at uh, uh, a guy's house by the name of Joshua. Joshua, and this is kind of interesting, I want you to guys, you know, this is really not my message, I'm just kind of setting you up for the message, okay? But 
this is good. This is good stuff, okay? So they go seven miles, and then all of a sudden they get to Beth Shemesh, which is a city of Levites. And, and so the ark just all of a sudden just stops at a man's field, and the man's field, or the man's name was Joshua. And Joshua in Hebrew is pronounced Yeshua. And Yeshua, as you know, is the name of Jesus. And so it just so happens, just by accident, just by coincidence, not, okay, that this ark and the cart and the oxen stop there. And so Joshua, the Levite, says the ark of God has come back to us. And it had been gone for seven months. It had been a seven-month period since it had left Shiloh. And so Joshua goes out, and he kills the cattle, and he takes the cart, the ox cart, and he uses that for the fire, puts the cattle on it as a sacrifice. You've got Yeshua, the high priest, or the priest there, offering the sacrifice that's acceptable to God. Okay, so here comes, God is coming back to Israel. Israel's been without God. God's presence has not been in Israel for a while. And so now we're going to pick up in chapter 7. And this is really, really where this gets good, okay? It's been good so far, but it's getting better right now, all right? Are you guys with me? You guys tracking? Are we tracking this morning? Okay, all right. All right, so in 1 Samuel chapter 7, it says... Now, and keep in mind, these, these are religious people. They got a form of religion. They got a form of, of godliness, but they don't have any power. They got a form of religion. They're going through the religious motion. I mean, they might even say some prayers. They're saying some prayers to God. But over here, they're saying prayers, prayers to Ashroth and Baal. And We're just going to mix it up. We're going to just cover all of our bases, you know. We're going to make sure that we, we satisfy one of these gods. Uh, we're not sure which one is real, but we're going to cover the Lord God. We're going to cover the gods of the land. But all of a sudden, you know, Israel starts realizing, man, you know what? You know, life, life is bad for us. Life is not good for us right now. And, and we sense that God, we don't, we're not seeing the favor of God or the power of God or the blessings of God or the presence of God, in our, and we're not seeing it anymore in our life. And, and, and they're, they're just saying, we're longing for God. I believe that many of you are in, in this place this morning are like that. I believe that many of us are longing for God or for a greater move of God. We want to see God do something incredible. We want to see God do the spectacular. We want to see the glory of God come down in this place and in this city. We want to see the glory of God sweep across our nation and turn the heart of this nation back to Him again. And so that's where Israel was. That's where Israel was at this time. It says, and so then all of the people of Israel turned back. They turned back. I mean, they had been distant from God. They had been preoccupied with the gods of the world, but they turned back. In this, in this moment, they're turning back to God. And so Samuel, who has been absent for about 20 years, you know, just in Shiloh, he had the word of God, but they weren't interested. And so Samuel shows up, and said to the Israelites, now listen, listen what he says, if you're returning to the Lord with all of your heart, and that's the key right there, guys, not half-heartedness, but if you're coming back to God with all of your heart, and then he says to them, then rid yourself of these foreign gods, rid yourself of these idols and the Asherahs, and commit yourself to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. And so the Israelites put away their 
Baals and their Asherahs, and they served the Lord only. And then Samuel said, Assemble all of Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And on that day, here we are, we're talking about prayer and fasting. We're talking about prayer and fasting here in this congregation. We're, we're starting our third week. Next Sunday we'll be done. I'm going to just encourage you that if you have not started fasting, you, you, know, you can jump into the Daniel fast. You can do your own individual fast. You can do a, just a water fast. You can do a juice fast. You can do any kind of fast. But I'm telling you that when you need to see something different in your life, when you need to see a change in your life, when you need to get serious with God, remember the disciples said in Matthew chapter 17, it says that the disciples came to Jesus and said, how come we couldn't cast out the demon out of that, that little boy? And he said to, him, to the disciples, he said, you were perverse, perverse, and faithless generation. You are perverse and faithless. That you are connected to the world, perverse, faithless, you've disconnected from God. You are perverse, connected to the world, embracing the things of the world, embracing the gods of the land, and you've disconnected from God. Faithless. Faithless and perverse. And then in, in Mark uh, chapter 9, Again, they asked Jesus the same question, and Jesus said, this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting, through prayer and fasting. And that's what they're doing right here on that day. They were seeking the face of God. They were praying, and they fasted, and there they confessed, Lord, we've sinned against you. This is the first time. We're seven chapters into the book of Samuel. This is the first time that the children of Israel have really tried to reconnect with God. I mean, and years and years have gone by, and they have, God has been so distant from them and away from them. But he said, on that day, they're turning their hearts back toward God. On that day, they prayed, they fasted, and they confessed that we have sinned against the Lord. And now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel at Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled, and just let me just kind of, you know, give you the picture here. They had come together as Israel had come together as a holy congregation. They'd come to meet in this valley at Mizpah, beautiful valley there, and hundreds, if not thousands, of Israelis had come in to seek the face of the Lord. And as they're gathered there, all of these thousands of, of men and women that have come to worship God and to repent and to seek His face, then the Philistines are looking from some far hill and said, man, there they are, there they are. We, we've got them. They're in a bowl right now. This is going to be like shooting fish in a barrel. We can go down and we can wipe them out. We can kill the entire nation right now. And so they begin to gather and come against the children of Israel. And the children of Israel, they came to worship. They didn't bring any swords with them. They didn't come for battle. They came to seek the face of the Lord. And so let's pick up the story. It says that when the Israelis heard it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. And they said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God, for that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering. And there he cried to the Lord on Israel's behalf. And the Lord answered him. And while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. Keep in mind, here comes an army against the people that have come to worship. But that day, on that day, 
On that very special day, the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such panic that they were routed before Israel. He said, the men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point called beth Car, which means the place of the Lamb. And Samuel took up a stone and set it up at Mizpah and Shin, and he named the place Ebenezer. You remember that was the name of Abraham's sub, uh, uh, his servant, and that means helper. And he says, saying here, thus far, up to this point, I want you guys to think about this in your own life. Up to this point, up to this point, I can look back. I can look over my shoulder. I can tell you that God has always been there. God has always been my helper. He's always been your helper. And sometimes when circumstances in our lives get hard and difficulties show up in our life and life throws you a curveball, you forget about what God did yesterday or yesteryear or five years ago or ten years ago. But I want you to know that Ebenezer... God has always been your helper. He says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. That's what God said. It says, and so the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's territory throughout Samuel's lifetime. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. And the town from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to Israel, and Israel delivered the neighboring territories from the hand of the Philistines, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. All right, let me just kind of walk you through this quickly and show you some big pictures, some, some just points that just kind of jump out. So the children of Israel are hungry for God. They, they're feeling empty inside. They're like, you know, God, where are you? I'm just not seeing your power, not seeing your strength. I don't see you in my everyday life. And when they got serious about God, and they started praying, and they started fasting, and then this is what happens. It says, number one, you know, you've got to, when, when you feel distant from God, I want to tell you that God never moves. When we feel distant from God, you and I have moved. So if we want to, you know, we want to get close to God, then you and I, we need to return. That's what it says, that you and I need to return. And I want you to just think about this for a moment. This move started with the enemy of Israel, those, those five Philistine princes saying, we got to get the ark out of here. And just think about it. It was all, I mean, what did Israel do? They didn't go summons the, the ark. They didn't go up and fight to regain uh, control or capture the ark. They didn't do anything. Sovereignly, God says, I'm going back to Israel. God says, I'm gonna, I'm, after seven months, I'm going to come back to Israel. The ark had been in the Philistine hands, bringing havoc and destruction on those cities. And God says, I'm going to come back. Time is now. I'm going to come back. And he comes back and, you know, just happens to stop at the house of a man named Yeshua. Yeshua takes the oxen, makes a sacrifice, takes the cart, uses the cart to burn the sacrifice. And what I didn't mention, that there was a rock. It says it stopped by the rock in Yeshua's field, the rock was also used as an altar. So you have an altar, and you have a high priest, and you have a sacrifice, and you have the wood for the sacrifice. What did Israel do? What did Israel do to, to, for that to happen? Absolutely nothing. This is called the grace of God. This is grace of God. God just sovereignly moves into the land. 
God understands their hunger. God understands their thirst, their desire to have a right relationship with him. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. My hand is not so short that I can't save, God is saying. That I can reach down, I can extend my hand, and I can still save. He said it almost 4,000 years ago. He's saying it today. God can still save. His hand is not shortened. He can still save. And so, amen, you can lift up a shout of praise. Come on, come on, come on. I know some of you are praying for those during this time of fasting and prayer. I'm going to tell you that God's hand is not so short. He can still save today. Number one, the first thing that I saw in this is that they return to the Lord with their whole heart. They recognized that they had been living in sin and compromise, and they just said, you know what? This is not right. The lifestyle that I'm living right now, this is speaking to some of you, the lifestyle that I'm now living is not right in the eyes of God, and I need to change. And it says that all of the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. And it says uh, that they recognized, the people recognized that their lives were empty without God. They so desired God to move in their times. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says it like this. Repent and return. Repent and return to the Lord so that your sins may be wiped out in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of God. And see, that's what happens when you and I, when we repent, we get serious with God. God said, I'm going to show up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you. I'm going to refresh you. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to bring this joy and gladness back into your life that you've been missing. I'm going to bring life back to you. Steve was talking earlier, you know, about restore, a restoration of life. Remember, Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and I'm going to give you life more abundantly. I'm going to give you life greater than the life that, you, that you're experiencing right now. So that's come, called times of refreshing. That's that better life. So the first thing they did is that they returned to the Lord, but they repented Number two, they repented with fasting and prayer. It says again, verse 6, just a reminder, that on that day they fasted there and they confessed that we've sinned against the Lord. Now listen, I, you know what I love about the Bible? Because it's so consistent in all of the, you know, all of the writers and you know, all, all the different chapters from Genesis to Revelation, they all agree with one another. They're all saying the same thing. You know, uh, what we're reading here in Samuel, um, you know, written by Samuel, is also written by Joel in Joel chapter 2. It says, even now, several hundreds of years later, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with fasting, with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, is what he says. Then in Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul is uh, saying, Uh, This is his testimony to the Ephesians as he's getting ready to leave. And he says, I've declared to both the Jews and to the Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. They must turn to God, return to God in repentance. And then the third point that I want to bring up to you is that they were rescued. Notice this. They were rescued from from their enemies. In verse 8 it says, Uh, The children of Israel cried to Samuel. They said, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. And that day, again, we read verse 10, the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such panic that they were routed before Israel. 
Now listen to what? Listen to the consistency of the word of God. It says that he rescued me from a powerful enemy, from my foes, who were too strong for me. That's exactly where Israel were. They were in the bowl. And, and the Philistines were on the mountains coming down to attack them, an enemy that was too strong for them. You have an enemy. You understand the Bible tells us that you and I have an enemy. Our enemy walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy. It says that my enemy was too powerful for me, too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of disaster, but the Lord was my, my support. You know, I want to just say that some of you have an enemy. Some of it, it could be... You know, we talk about the seven deadly sins, although all sin is deadly. But when we talk about deadly sins, we talk about lust. And we talk about uh, our gluttony. And we talk about our greed. We talk about our slothfulness or our laziness. Maybe being lazy in the word. Being lazy to doing the things that God has told you to do. We, we talk about our, our wrath, our anger. Our, our bitterness, our unforgiveness toward one another. We speak about our pride. And we talk about our envy. Not to mention the sexual sins that we have of fornication and adultery and homosexuality. And these are the kind of sins that grieve God. And God's saying that, you know, you need to turn from these things. You and I, we need to turn from these things and, and cry out to God. And it says that God delivered them from an enemy that was stronger than they are. Or they were. And I want to tell you that some of these sins in our life are stronger than we are, but not stronger than God. God will send his help and rescue you and deliver you from the power of sin. And our final point is, our final point is, and somebody said, thank God. All right, our final point is that the land was restored. The land was restored and they had peace. Two points in here. Restoration and peace. It says, notice this, uh, I'm going to read it again, maybe you didn't catch it the first time around, verse 14. The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured, they had previously captured from Israel, were restored with the restoration of God. God went back and got stuff that they had already given up. And some of you have given up some ground in your life. You remember that, you know, when you first got saved and and there were things that you wouldn't do, TV that you wouldn't watch, and music that you wouldn't listen to, things that you wouldn't do, you wouldn't go there, you didn't want to pollute yourself, but, you know, over a period of time, you started giving in, and, ah, oh, it's not that bad, someone whispered in your ear. It's not all that bad. It's not that bad. You've given up some ground. And just like Israel gave up these physical cities because the Philistines pushed and pushed and pushed back, and God says that when he showed up, and brought victory into their life. He said, I'm going to restore. I'm going to get back. I'm going to get back what you lost. I might even give you a little bit more. I'm going to give you back what you lost, and I'm going to give you some more. And I want to just tell you that, and I'm going to show you here in just a second, it's not just talking about spiritual things. Some of you have lost some spiritual ground, but some of you have lost some financial ground. And some of you have lost some relationship ground. And God said that I'm the God of restoration. I'm going to give you back. I'm going, to, I'm going to get this back for you. Let's look at what God's word says. He says, let's talk about peace first. He said, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trusted you. And then it says, I love this one right here from Proverbs 16, 7. It says that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Even his enemies. I don't know if you caught that last couple of verses, but it says that after that day of victory at Mizpah, it says the Philistines left 
And they never come back. They never came back during the time of Samuel. They didn't come back during his time period. They didn't come back. They had peace while he was ruling. And so, now listen, to, let's just move to restoration. And we'll wrap it up on this. It says that Job, you guys remember Job lost everything. Absolutely everything. But it says that after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. I want to tell you that's restoration. Not just giving you back what you had, but giving you back twice as much as you had before. And then here's another type of restoration. It says, we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, your restoration is what we pray for. This is Paul. We're talking about, he said, we're praying for the restoration of the church, the the church at Corinth. He said, your restoration is what, what we pray for. Aim for restoration. This is verse 13. This is all from chapter 13 and verse 13, 2 Corinthians. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And then the Lamentations, Jeremiah writes, Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. See, there's a restoration of finances. There's a restoration of joy and gladness. And there's a restoration of coming back to the Lord. And then the psalmist says it like this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me joy. Make me happy about my salvation. I've got so far from that, Lord. I've got so far from my salvation in the day that I was saved. I've I've been bogged down with so many things. I've been heavy laden with so many things that I forgot how happy I was when I first got saved. Restore to me the joy. But listen to this. You don't think that God cares about restoration? Listen to what he says. And this is from uh, Isaiah chapter 42. He says, but this is a people. He's talking about the children of Israel who have been plundered and looted. And all of them are trapped in holes. Plundered and looted and trapped in holes. Plundered, Satan has come to rob and to steal and to kill and to destroy. God's saying some 700 years before that was written in John that these people had been plundered and looted and all of them are trapped in holes and they're hidden in prisons and they have become a plunder with none to rescue. We need someone to rescue us, folks. Spoil with none to say. Restore. God's saying Man, would somebody just say it? Could somebody just say it? Could somebody just say, restore? Could somebody, that's what God's saying. Could somebody just say, restore? Could some, some re- restoration of salvation, restoration of, of the finance, and restoration of relationship, and restoration of marriages, and children that have gone astray. Could somebody just say, restore? Could somebody say it? Could somebody just say, restore? He's saying, come on, folks, let's just say it it together. Come on, let's say, restore. Let's say, restore. Let's say, restore. Amen, God wants restoration. That's the heart of God. That's the God that we serve. That is the God that we serve. And how does that happen? I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to roll up my sleeves and make it happen. No, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, 
See, the children of Israel did nothing to get the ark out of Ekron. God sovereignly brought the ark down. He sovereignly brought it down. And when they were praying and fasting and, and the Philistines were coming to attack them, God sovereignly showed up and defended them. You need a defender. You need someone to rescue you. You need someone to restore you today. I want to pray for you. Would you stand up with me, please? So remember, they returned to the Lord with all of their heart. They repented with fasting and prayer. They were rescued from the hands of their enemy, and they were restored, and they had peace. Some of you need a restoration in your marriage, in a relationship, maybe at job, at a job or at your office, with your employment. Some of you need restoration in your finances. It's not what it should be. It's not what it could be. But there's a stranglehold there. You need that to be broken. Some of you need salvation. You just need to come to God. Some of you need to come back to God. Some of you need to come to God. You need to do that today. You need to ask Jesus to come into your life. Say, Lord, I, I know that I've sinned against you. I know that I, I've sinned against heaven and earth, and I've sinned against you, Father. I've sinned against your Son, Jesus, and I've grieved your Holy Spirit with my lifestyle. Lord, today's that day I, I want to come back. I want to come to you. I, I, you know, I've been living in religion all of my life. I know about prayers. I know about church. But I've never had that relationship where, God, I know that you were there with me. That's what I want this morning. I'm asking you, Lord, that you would come into my life. I'm confessing my sins and asking you would forgive me my sins and all ungodliness that you'd wash me in the blood of your son, Jesus. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Bring salvation and joy with that salvation to my life and to my heart this morning, Lord. Some of you need a restoration, as I said, in your marriages or in a relationship or in your finances or with your children. You need that relationship. I'm just going to say, Lord, restore. Just lift up your hands this morning. Just close your eyes and just lift up your hands and don't be worried about what other people are thinking. This is you and God. This is you and God moment right now. God, just, I'm just asking you, restore me. Restore me. Restore my life. Let me have a closer walk with you, Father. Give me a fresh restoration of a hunger and a thirst for you and for your word and for righteousness and to do right, Lord God. Help me to do right. Lord, I know you're not interested in the sacrifices of, of lambs and goats and oxen or blood, but you want a sacrifice of my heart. You want my heart this morning, Lord. I want to give you my heart anew today. I recommit my, my life and my heart to you. And I'm just asking you, Father, as you showed up strong and showed yourself strong on behalf, behalf of the children of Israel that day, show up in my life and show yourself strong in my life. Let there be restoration in my life and bring me peace, Lord. Quiet my troubled soul and quiet my troubled spirit this morning. I ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Let's just lift up a shout of joy to our God. I mean, we serve a mighty God. God bless you guys. We'll be here tonight at 6 o'clock. Get into it, guys. Get into it.